I'm Farzad Khan, and today you are listening to Acorn Canada Radio, where radio meets justice. Today we are interviewing Tanya Burkhardt, the local leader of Peel Acorn, and the national spokesperson for the fight against financialized, financialized housing. Uh, Tanya, thanks for joining us today. Let's start off with, you know, let's start off with the campaign itself, like, What's going on with the national campaign against financialized housing? I heard you spoke about it in front of a committee. Yes, I spoke uh, to the Hubert Committee um, yeah. on the effects of financialization of housing on tenants. And there were several experts that testified. And I, my part in that committee hearing was to speak about what tenants are experiencing and so I spoke about the conditions that I um, that I've gone through with Wind Properties, Starlight, and now Boardwalk, mm-hmm. and how uh, tenants suffer in terrible conditions in buildings. And the goal is to displace long-term tenants and uh, basically increase rents. And tenants are treated like a bottom line for profit. And so I spoke about that before committee and I asked the federal government when it was going to act on campaign promises to change this tax rate's status and basically institute ACORN's demands of uh, building affordable housing for people. Wow. Okay. And and that, you, sorry. Go on. That was a, a really great experience to put um, uh, a direct tenant impact in the things that we grow through before committee. Wow, you you really grilled the people at the committee. That's a lot of important topics and questions you raised up with them. Did did they have any positive responses or things you were happy to hear about? Yes, they've opened um, a process where tenants all across Canada can fill out forms um, detailing the experiences they've gone through. They can tell their story and they can also upload documents and photos um, to support their stories. And so that is the first process that's been opened um, to the public across Canada. And so that's a really big step. Those stories will then be evaluated, and hopefully the federal government will hear everyone's stories and make changes to end financialized housing. Yeah, no, that's great, like building up the participation of these tenants across Canada. And I'm fairly certain, like, at least most of them will have pretty damning stories to tell about these shifty shifty corporate landlords i mean do you have do you have any stories about your own landlords maybe well my current landlord is boardwalk and boardwalk is a large canadian wheat based out of calgary Mm -hmm. and our buildings are in very poor condition they were built in the 60s and several landlords have owned this property and very few have invested um any money into maintenance. Um, There have been a lot of fire safety issues and a lot of tenants have been um, 
severely impacted. There's a lot of plumbing and electrical issues. There are structural issues. There are leaking rooms, leaking windows, mold, um, pests. There's rats and mice outside. There's roaches in the building. And so Boardwalk purchased these buildings in March of 2022. And they have done some maintenance but it hasn't been full maintenance. They installed a roof on building 63, but didn't install the fire separations. And so, yes, we get some maintenance, but is it the quality maintenance and the preventative maintenance that are going to keep these buildings in proper, healthy, safe condition? Right. And Acorn has done some research that shows tenants and buildings owned by corporate landlords have a higher chance of living with roaches, mold, bed bugs. And we generally receive a greater incidence of unfair rent increases. And tenants in buildings bought by large corporate landlords have a hard time getting any repair work done, especially if they've lived in the building more than five years and are in rent-controlled provinces. So I've lived in this building five years. I moved in in um, May of 2018. And so I'm directly experiencing everything that Acorn has researched. We have pests. The buildings are in poor repair. And... um, I don't know. I just think that it's important uh, for me to make sure that ACORN um, is advocating in these buildings for tenants that are going through this. Right. For sure. I completely agree that it's so, so important. How have you been um, making sure this advocacy has been going on in your buildings? Like, have you been organizing in your buildings? Yes, I've been flying and door knocking and speaking to tenants um, in my everyday travels. I mean, I'm familiar with a lot of my neighbors and tenants, and I know what they're going through. And a lot of tenants are afraid to speak out because they're afraid of eviction. They're afraid of um, unfair notices. And so tenants here um, are very scared to lose the affordable housing um, that they have. These units are currently affordable for long-term tenants. And so... I, I think tenants are more in jeopardy losing the affordable housing than they are speaking up. And so I think it's it's important to organize and um, make sure that tenants know they have a voice and it's okay to ask for repairs. So the door knocking of flyery fly is slowly working. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good to hear. Like, yeah, definitely getting tenants' voices and experience heard is important. And that's why the, the questionnaire that you talked about with the, the committee and what you're, how you're door knocking right now is so, so important. Have you gotten any, shall I say, horror stories about uh, living in, uh, in your boardwalk complex? One tenant whose walls are crumbling. Wow. Um, I have other uh, tenants that their kitchen um, their kitchen cabinets are falling apart. Uh, parking is always a contentious issue because we have so few parking spots. My dog was sprayed last night by a skunk because there's very little maintenance and we don't have fences and proper animal and pest control. Mm-hmm. And so um, that wasn't so nice. It was up late last night washing my dog. Uh, that's, that's with tomato horrible. juice. So yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not easy living in financialized housing for sure. Yeah, sure. 
doesn't sound like it. I mean, are people even like happy and safe in their homes? Like I know a lot of these corporate landlords try to screw with your tenants by handing out eviction notices and things like that. Have you had any experience about that? A lot of tenants have approached me because they've received N8s. And I can't speak to whether the N8 is justified or not. I know that a lot of tenants were issued N8s all at once. And so this is boardwalk going through and trying to evict long-term tenants. Um, N8 is, an N8 is for late payment of rent. So these tenants may owe zero money, but they're still being evicted. And they haven't really provided a lot of information to tenants about why they've engaged in this N8 process. Evictions are rarely given for late payments of rent. Uh, the, the LTV typically orders um, 12 months of paying your rent on time on the 1st. And so it just feels like if they're not trying to get rid of long-term tenants, then it's harassment of long-term tenants. Mm -hmm. And so I just don't think it's a very equitable, just process. It's not a tactic the boardwalk should be engaging. And if the tenant owes no money, then why would you be trying to evict them? Yeah, I mean, on paper, that makes a little sense. But yes, these financial, these corporate landlords just don't seem to care about anything. But money, that's that's the sense yes. I'm getting. Yes. When I moved in, my rent was around 1600 And it's just above mm -hmm. that now. But they are now right. renting the same three-bedroom units for 2500 2500 so Wow. $2,500. And so that's, that's the financial incentive for landlords to get rid of long-term tenants. You can essentially double or more than double the rent. Yeah, that's crazy. And you said you moved in May 2018. So in what, around five years, it's the market rent for that property increased by 500, 600 bucks? It would be just less than $1,000, yes. Less than $1,000. Wow, that's that's insane. And uh, it's It just... speaks to affordability. Yeah speaks to affordability for the basic tenant and how completely disconnected these landlords are because they just really don't seem to care about what's going on in your property. Have you um have you tried talking to these landlords about this or anything like that? Uh, the tenants have gotten together and organized and delivered a letter to Boardwalk stating they want respect for tenants. They want proper maintenance. And to stop the N8, issuing N8s to tenants right. unjustly. And Boardwalk's response was kind of, they provided a lot of financial information mm -hmm. about tenants and like what they've done in the buildings. And so they weren't very happy to, number one, receive the letter. And they just believe that um, our claims were not correct. They believe that the government uh, must create incentives and open markets. Um, we need to restrain taxation for REITs. Um, 
They want open financial uh, markets to encourage and provide capital to develop and maintain affordable housing. We know that the housing that they have is not affordable for most people. And we need, they want rental supports and government subsidies given to individuals to make sure that tenants can stay in their home. Well, that's kind of disingenuous because if you weren't raising the Uh, rent, then tenants wouldn't need financial support to make the rent payment. And so um, they say they disheartened to see our comments falsely accusing Boardwalk of seeking to evict tenants into homelessness. We never said they were evicting tenants into homelessness. We're just saying we need to stop harassing tenants with N8s. And uh, like tenants could unjustly be evicted. And Mm -hmm. so... I don't really boardwalk really hasn't responded in a in a with genuine um for their tenants um they haven't said um we're going to take care of this problem um they still haven't addressed the issue of accessibility they've just stated how much they've spent on repairs and that it outpaces the profit they believe that the property here is affordable at 2500 for a three bedroom um, they believe that they're going to build 230,000 new homes in Canada. They again talk about open markets. They don't believe in rent control. They believe that accessibility and affordability in housing comes from a free open market um, and that supply will correct uh, the problem. And we have an open free market economy and REITs have access to funding through CMHC and the National Housing Strategy. And so it hasn't solved the problem of supply. It's not an issue. I mean, yes, we have a supply issue, but we also have an affordability issue. And the affordability issue comes from financialized landlords displacing long-term tenants and raising the rent. They do that through rent eviction, demo eviction, condo conversion. Um, They do it through a lot of processes. They have a lot of tools at their disposal. I mean, LTB only does digital hearing. And so there's even getting a just hearing before LTB is sometimes problematic. And so financialized landlords have huge advantages um, in this economy. And if they're the ones providing housing, then why do we not have affordable housing already? And so I believe Steve Palmeroy came up with this statistic that for every um, one affordable unit created, 15 are lost. And so that's a lot of affordable housing units lost. That is an incredible yeah. amount. We can't build enough to keep up with the loss of affordable housing that's that's taken by financialized landlords. And so... Um, the root of the financialized housing crisis is that we need to limit REITs. We need to put a hard limit on how many units they can occupy. We need to ensure that funds are set up for, for land trust co-ops and nonprofits so they get they get first access, the right of first refusal for them to purchase property. We need to make sure they have adequate funding to purchase these buildings. We need to make sure that community and social housing are invested in and built. And so um, Boardwalk's response has just been really disingenuous in the fact that it, it tells partial truths and not the full truth. And we're not really talking about, yes, they put a roof on, but did they put in the fire separations? That's my question. But, and why do we not have accessibility? 
if you truly want to build a community, you need to build an inclusive community. And that means all members have access to every part of the property. And that includes the property being accessible. Every door, every walkway, every stairway, every there should be ramps everywhere. When you when you have a community, you need to make sure that the community includes everyone and accessibility is for everyone. So Boardwalk, yes, they've invested, but is it the right kind of investment? Right. Yeah, no, very, very, very well said, Tanya. Thanks for that. I mean, yeah, like from what you've said, Boardwalk just sees everything as money figures, money, money, money. And they just really don't seem to care about the tenants or what's going on. And from what you've spoken, it also seemed like they were trying to make excuses for what problems they were going that were going on in the property rather than going for actual fixes, you know, the ones you've sp- spoken about. And just for any new listeners coming in, right now I'm speaking to Tanya Burkhardt, the local leader of Peel Acorn, about the fight against financialized housing, especially in her area in Brampton. So yeah, we were just speaking about Boardwalk's disingenuous response to the letter you and the tenant association in your complex filed against them. Can you tell me a bit more about maybe how the action went on there? Because they they seem clearly rattled if they're replying with such completely, how do I put it, such half-hearted, uh, lackadaisical responses. I think Boardwalk was very surprised by the action. They knew it was occurring. They Uh had tried to prohibit people from firing in the building, which is um, something that's guaranteed in the charter. You're allowed to organize. Organizing activities cannot be interfered with. And so they knew that the action was occurring. I think they were scared. I think they were scared if the press came in and took pictures of the conditions of the building, what what would be exposed, what could be seen. And so I think they were very concerned about the action. Um, I think we had about 10 people come out. So it was still a very small action, but it was effective in that Sam Coleus did respond. We did get their attention. They are doing some work, I think, but for the bulk of the work that needs to occur within tenants units, They've decided to approach it from a different aspect, and they're now working on uh, the outside facing of the building rather than prioritizing in-suite work for tenants. And so, again, there's this partial disingenuous response. Like a tenant tells you they need work in your unit and you're working on the outside facing of the building, then what does that say? It means that the outside of the building is more important than what's going on for a tenant inside. So it's a lack of respect and a lack of care for tenants. Wow. Yeah, no, I never really saw it that way. But yeah, you're completely right. Like they just are not caring about the tenants' needs or units at all. They just want to maybe make the complex look a little bit prettier for any new uh, renters coming in, paying that obscenely high market rent you talked about. I mean, don't you think they're 
should be more ways to stop this. Your comments at the committee against financialized housing will go a long way in collecting, you know, those um, collections of interviews about people's experiences in financialized housing. But do you think there there's maybe more that the government could do maybe at a local or provincial level? I think we need full and complete rent control, either at the, mm-hmm. I would prefer that at the federal level. I think it's more impactful for okay. people to have rent control at the federal level. The provincial level, I think reforming the LTV process and allowing tenants full and fair access um, to LTV hearings and to duty yeah. counsel. I think, I think at the local level, we definitely need landlord licensing, anti Mm-hmm. Rent eviction bylaws, rental replacement bylaws, anti-demolition bylaws. I think the priority needs to be um, landlord licensing uh, with in-suite inspection. Just looking at the outside of the building and rating them on a scale that says they pass, but inside, tenants are experiencing terrible conditions. And so at the local level, we definitely need multi-residential with mm-hmm. full in-suite inspections for tenants. Yeah, no, having these full and suite inspections would maybe help out or at least alleviate some of the experiences your the neighbors in your complex have been going through. And I imagine many more tenants all across Canada or the world, maybe. I mean, and... You've, you've said like these actions have rattled boardwalk, right? Do you yes. think, like, what do you think see is the long-term maybe, what would be the long-term impact of these actions and rallies and interviews against financialized housing? Well, we need the federal government um, to basically limit the number of units REITs can own. Right. We need um, the federal government to create affordable housing units and mm-hmm. we need them to create an acquisition fund so that nonprofits could co-ops and uh, basically community housing is owned by tenants or small right. landlords. They have access to proper funding. And so that's basically how you can create that. We yeah, obviously no, need, Sorry? We need to mandate uh, rent control across all provinces. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to plug the, the tax loophole because there's such an incentive for REITs that don't pay tax. This is like all the money they make, they pay no tax on. And so, again, it's a huge financial incentive, incentive for uh, REITs and corporate landlords, especially REITs like Boardwalk, you know? Canadian-owned company and he pays no tax. And so we just need uh, to build uh, social and affordable housing. And the housing that's built, like the housing that Boardwalk talks about, they're 233,000 units. Those mm-hmm. need to be targeted to people in core housing need. This, These don't need to be luxury market rentals. And so um, I think we need to to look at the the housing that's going to be built. Is it going to be affordable for people? Is it going to be accessible for people? Right. So I think 
that's that's really at the at the heart of the financialization of housing campaign. Yeah, these are all definitely excellent points to fight for right now and fight for in the future, especially that acquisition fund that sounds like an interesting idea getting you know these properties out of the hands of these corporate landlords. Uh, have you experienced something similar? I know a lot of tenants have get their landlord, get their building sold between landlord to landlord, and it's been difficult for them. When I moved in in 2018, when family properties owned the building, mm-hmm. and when, I I don't really know too, too much about when, because like I said, they were only here a few months. But uh, when was the landlord that uh, had the fire in the building 59 in 2014? Wow, okay. And um, a tenant's son lost his life in that fire in Lula. Um, a large number of fire code violations and charges that were levied against a wind and a death number company. And okay. so uh, Wynn sold the property in 2018. And Starlight Investments brought, bought the property. And I think Starlight really didn't know what they were getting into because there were a lot of violations in the buildings. And mm-hmm. the fire marshal closed three of the buildings and it affected oh, 57 wow. families were displaced okay. for a year or more. And so they were left with a lot of like ordered work to be done. Mm -hmm. And so in that process, Starlight didn't do a really good job of getting permits and making sure the work was done properly. And so just advocating and keeping on top of them, they quickly sold the building. They sold it in March of 2022. And I believe Boardwalk bought the building for just over $55 There's eight buildings. Okay. And so this process of just buying buildings for profit, I think, just really uh, hurts tenants. Mm-hmm. We're not financial product. We're people. And the idea that we're just used for investment um, just really damaging to tenants and people. Like, this is our home. We need a roof over our head. But we're just an investment product. Yeah, and so oh, I think it's dehumanizing for tenants. Um, I think mm-hmm. the process hurts tenants immensely. We go through a lot. And so mm-hmm. um, I'm sure there's lots of other buildings that a lot of corporate landlords have come in and bought in my city recently. I just think that uh, financialized landlords come in and they swoop up and they buy buildings one after the other because there's funding for them to do so. And there's such great economic incentives for them to do so. The more buildings they buy, the better the bottom line, the more money they invest, and it becomes a self-sustaining economic cycle. And so I think that's why it's so important to limit the number of buildings or units that REITs can own. Because, you know, they use uh, the building they own as collateral for the next building. And so mm-hmm. they, they sell more shares based on how many units and buildings they buy. So, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, all you're talking, sorry, uh, I interrupted you. I just think that they have that you have to stop them from buying affordable units because as soon as they get the building in the affordable units, it's turned into something else. It's turned into an unaffordable unit, it's mm-hmm. turned into an unaffordable building. So when yeah, we look I, at the loss of affordable housing, that's where it occurs. 
Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And all of your talking points, the things you want, you demand from maybe the federal government or other levels of government are all excellent ideas. And together, you know, we can uh, hope to fight for and organize for it. But unfortunately, we are running short of time. I think we only have almost a minute left. So I just wanted to wrap up with maybe something a bit more lighthearted. Is there maybe something you're looking forward to from ACORN in the future? Maybe the convention or was there something that was interesting that happened at any of the previous actions? I always look forward to convention. Mm-hmm. It's a great experience getting together with so many other ACORN members. And the action that we just had, it was my favorite part of action and protest is always the people. They have such great energy and great stories. And another ACORN leader is basically following a boardwalk employee who was peeking around a corner and listening to our action. <laughs> and it was so wonderful to see to see her march through the building with her megaphone chanting, boardwalk is a slumlord. And so it's always the people and their energy and yeah. their willingness to stand up. And it's it's always wonderful to to meet with other people who are like-minded and interested in social justice for sure. Yeah, no, these these ACORN members sure seem like they wanna fight for what's what's right. And and I have I'm happy to hear that. But unfortunately I, I have to cut this interview short now. Just before we leave, I just want to say again, thanks for coming today and today on Acorn Radio, uh, talking about Acorn's amazing work in the Peel region in Canada. Again, today we have Tanya Burkhart, local leader of Peel Acorn and national spokesperson against the financialization of housing. And yeah, right now we're sounding off. Thanks for your time. Thanks for Thank you. Bye. Bye.